Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message.
Well, good morning, welcome back. Thank you for inviting us into your home once again this morning. I hope you've been surviving the summer heat wave we've been having and that today finds you in a place that's uh, cool and relaxing as you share this morning with us. I searched the world But it couldn't fill me Man's empty praise And treasures that fade Are never enough Then you came along Put me back together Now every desire Is now satisfied Here in your love Oh there's nothing That's better than you know There's nothing That's better than you no, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. Well, I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you've seen them all and you still call me friend Cause the God of the mountain Is the God of the valley And there's not a place Your mercy and grace Will not find us again Yeah, yeah, yeah It's better than you know there's nothing Nothing is better than you You turn morning to dancing You give beauty for ashes you turn shame into glory you're the only one who can you turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you've turned seas into highways you're the only And there's nothing that's better than you know There's nothing that's better than you know There's nothing 
been Nothing is better than you You are here Moving in our midst I worship You are here, working in this place, I worship you, I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst, I worship you, I worship you. You are here. Working in this place, I worship you. I worship you. You are way make miracle work. Promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are way make miracle work.
it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Hi, my name is Ira Vanstruk. I was born in Chivnitsi in Ukraine and my family moved here when I was five years old. I had a great childhood. I was very active and had many great memories. I, went, I first went to Saskatoon Christian School for most of my life and then in grade 11 I went to Centennial. A few things about me is that I play a lot of sports and my favorite sports in particular is hockey and wakeboarding. Some of you may ask, what is my favorite hockey team? Well, it's the Oilers. For my whole life, I lived in a Christian family, and my parents greatly supported and taught me about the Bible. I always loved God and trusted Him in my life, but I never declared it. I never actually sat down and thought Jesus should come into my life. The reason being is because I thought it was supposed to be a big moment in my life where there's, I got a big sign from God. But one day, we were just reading a story about Zacchaeus, a tax collector. That's when hearing about Jesus accepted him into his life. And then the conversation went on is when is the right moment to accept Jesus? Then something went off in my head that the right moment was now. Then an overwhelming feeling came over me and I uh, said that I am ready to accept Jesus. So we prayed and I, Jesus, and I accepted Jesus. And I got to say, the feeling was great. I felt like a huge burden had been lifted off my back and that I was free from death. I know that this is the best choice I ever made because it leads me closer to God. Jesus means a lot to me. He's my savior and my best friend. To me, because he is willing to die on the cross for all of us. 
A couple of months ago, Joel and Will started a discipleship group with me and Chris. One of the topics we talked about was baptism. And one day, we were sitting in my backyard doing a Bible study, and Will asked us if we want to get baptized. Then I felt that God talked to me uh, that the right moment is now. So the question is now is why, why am I choosing to be baptized? Well, I am declaring to everyone that I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I want to follow him for the rest of my life. And that's what baptism means to me. I know this is an important step in discipleship to Jesus for me. An important Bible verse for me is Philippians 4.13. I can do all th through him who gives me strength. God is there for us and he is always there for us to help us and to give us strength. If I base my life around God, he will give me strength and he will motivate me to do the right things and help me with my life. So what am I going to do now? I'm going to follow uh, a call from God and go to be a cabin leader in Ranger Lake Bible Camp. I'm excited for this because it will help me bring others to know Jesus and help me grow further in my faith. I want to know, follow God and uh, see what he has planned for me in my uh, future in discipleship to him. Thank you for listening. Hello, my name is Chris. You've probably never seen me before. That's because I go to the Arabic church with my family later in the day. My connection with the Ebenezer Church has been through youth group and my relationship with Joel and Will. The last couple of years I've been thinking about baptism. I am very happy and taking another step, or I am very happy for taking a step into baptism today. I grew up, as a, I grew up in a Christian family. As many Christians, I've had doubts. Because of these doubts, I have stopped believing and just gave up on God. But Joel told me before COVID that youthquake trip at Briarcrest College. At youthquake, I met an amazing man. He told me that I wasn't the only one that feels pain. And he feels the same pain that I do because we both grew up without dads. In this moment, he showed me that Jesus is real. And by, and by my side, even though I never saw him, with the help of Joel and my family, I can now see God as my father. Through baptism, I am declaring that Jesus loves me and I am choosing to be with him and to obey him for the rest of my life. I am not who I was and I won't go back to who I used to be because of Jesus. My favorite Bible verse that always stood out to me was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This verse gave me hope and to keep me living. Because of God, I am ready to take this step during baptism. Well, next Sunday is an exciting day for our province and for us as Ebenezer, as all health restrictions will be lifted according to government guidelines on July 11th. And this is truly what we've been waiting and praying for. So if you decide to join us in person next Sunday, just know that on the main floor of our uh, worship center, we will not be having social distancing nor uh, masking, although you're certainly welcome to mask if you want to. We'll also have some provisions in the balcony for those that still would like to social distance. And for parents uh, of young children, we will also be opening up some more spaces for families to be able to worship together uh, with us. So if you want to join us uh, next week in person, we'd love to have you. 
If not, we'll, we are um, looking forward to seeing you again online. Well, why don't we take time to uh, pray together before we move on to, with the rest of our morning. I want to begin um, my prayer this morning with Psalm 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a word or sound. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone out throughout the earth and their words to all the world. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you gave us such clear evidence of your existence and power and glory in your creation. You have said that no one is without excuse because uh, you have made yourself known through creation. And while creation shows your glory and majesty, you also sent your son Jesus to show us your character and your ways. Jesus's mission uh, while he was here on earth was to make you known. And he did so, so clearly and perfectly. And when Jesus left this earth, he commissioned his followers to carry on the mission of making you known. Father, help us not to lose sight of your mission. We thank you today for your continued mercy and care over us. And sometimes we can see clearly your work in our lives, but often we are unaware of the times that you intervene for us. And we know that it is by your will and hands that we are continuing to see healing from COVID-19, and we are grateful. Even when we go through difficult times, you have promised to walk with us, to hold us, and to strengthen us. And this morning, we pray for those in our Ebenezer family and beyond who have been walking in difficult uh, situations these past weeks and continue to navigate difficult uh, circumstances in their lives. Father, would you help us be your hands and feet in their lives, to sit with them, to listen, to love as you do. We ask you to give them your peace and comfort and wisdom in whatever their circumstances are. You are not a distant God. Your word says that you are near to the brokenhearted, that you gather your children under your wing, that you are our strong tower and that you will guide us into all truth. And for this, we are grateful. We continue to pray uh, for our Indigenous brothers and sisters in our country and in our province and in our city. Father, help us to be good listeners and students who are open to hear their truth and to pray for their healing. We know that Jesus came to restore peace by reconciling all of creation to God and by restoring our right relationship to you. Jesus also opened the door for us to live in right relationship with each other. You are a good, good Father. You lead us gently, you love us deeply and unconditionally, and you judge us fairly, and we are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome everyone to our Summer Classics. Uh, this is a series we are doing where we're walking through classic Bible stories that maybe some of us have heard as kids, maybe through an illustrated uh, children's Bible, or if you were really lucky, maybe on a flannel graph on a, in a Sunday school classroom. 
But no matter your uh, familiarity with these stories or the Bible, uh, th there is much to be gained from dive diving into some of the most famous stories from the Bible uh, to hear from them in fresh ways and in personal ways today. And today I'm really excited to be bringing us an origin story. So we often think of like superhero origin stories and what they tell us about that character and how they, they kind of set out the story for us. And that's what we're going to be looking at today with uh, a superhero from the Bible, uh, Moses. And Moses is a pretty epic uh, character, maybe a superhero you could call him. Um, you know, he had a supernatural staff that was able to humiliate the, the Egyptians with, you know, the, the ten plagues. He parted the Red Sea with it uh, so his people could escape an army. And he also went up on the mountain um, in, in this, like, you know, this, this storm and got the Ten Commandments and brought them down for the people. So these are the stories that I'm most familiar with uh, about Moses. And this is kind of how I actually thought about Bible characters, especially ones like Samson, who had this like magical hair and superhuman strength. But now that I'm older, um, and I, when I revisit these stories, and as I've been revisiting the Moses story, I've realized that this is not their purpose. Uh, these stories and characters were never meant to glorify the supernatural or brag about these shocking feats or, or glorify the characters themselves but rather they're designed to glorify an active and living God that's in relationship with human beings, that's committed to working in and through them for the flourishing of eternal life on earth. And this is the God who's working in the history of the, the cosmos, of the whole universe of, of humanity, but of Israel's story specifically. And, and each of our individual stories and, and family stories, uh, the, one who, the God who is healing and restoring and bringing that flourishing um, in his mission to all things. So our story um, needs to kind of go all the way back to God's grand story. And that is that long ago we know that God creatively brought forth all that is seen and all that is unseen into a beautiful harmony uh, of flourishing life that was destined for this planet. With human beings given the unique role of possessing and reflecting God's nature of love uh, back towards God and to each other and actually over all creation uh, under humanity's care. But as we all know and, and have even experienced, it, it wasn't long until pride, greed, lust uh, broke down the relationship, uh, tainted our divine role and calling, and we were left living, and we are left living in kind of a survival-based tribalism and violence, and there's an oppression and injustice, and individuals are broken um, inside and out through this legacy throughout all of, of humanity and every culture. But the story and where our story is going to pick up and, and the, really the story of, of the grand story is that God from the beginning has been working creatively to solve and overcome this problem, to resolve, to provide, to recreate and renew all things. And right from the beginning he does so in relationship and through promises. So we have Adam and Eve, uh, all of humanity, we have Noah and the flood, and then we have Abraham. And God's promise uh, is to be living and active in relationship with, with Abraham and his family to bless him, uh, to form him into a nation, and then through him to bless the whole world. So God had this, this, this cosmic scope to, to the promise even from the very beginning. And throughout Genesis, the book before uh, the book of Exodus where we find Moses, uh, we see this promise being passed on and this unique relationship and calling to Abraham and his family and that mission that God has on the move. 
Um, and it goes through, we've heard of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now Jacob is, uh, his name is changed to Israel, and he has 12 sons, which becomes the nation. So this unique people group that's in relationship to God, carrying the promise, carrying the, the promise of that blessing and that unique relationship that God wanted uh, and was going to bring to bless the whole world. So at this point in the story, God has actually fulfilled and been good on his promise in giving uh, Abraham children. They have flourished. So Israel is a people group, but they don't have land. Um, but they've come to live in, in Egypt and God has blessed them. And they've been fruitful and multiplied. And this is where the story takes a turn. Uh, and that blessing and, and God and his people are faced with one of the, the darkest forces of evil the world had yet seen. And that was the, the nation of Egypt, the empire of Egypt, and the king of Egypt, specifically Pharaoh. Um, and this is, Egypt and Pharaoh are kind of the personification of the pride, the greed, the lust, the tribalism, uh, the violence and the oppression that, uh, that God is coming against and, and going to deal with and going to overcome. Um, and this is how it puts it. Let's, let's take a look at, uh, at Pharaoh and, and what he kind of says uh, to kind of frame our story. The Israelites have become far too numerous for us, he said. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they could join our enemies and fight against us, leave our country. So Egypt put slave masters over them to oppress them, the Israelites, and put them into forced labor. But the more that they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard labor, in brick and mortar, and with all kinds of work in the fields. And in all this harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. This is Exodus 9.14. This gives you an idea of what Moses is going to be born into. And because of this plan of oppression, uh, it didn't work, as you can hear in the story. They, they kept flourishing. And because uh, Pharaoh feared the strength of the Israelites or was frustrated by this, what takes place next is one of the most evil things that human beings can do. Uh, it happened then, but it also actually haunts our recent history too. Pharaoh made a plan to systematically kill children, the male children, to oppress this race of people that, he, that they viewed as a threat to the nation. And they ordered the Hebrew midwives to throw any male babies into the Nile River. But here is where we hear, see our first heroes in the story uh, that, that make the whole story possible, that make Moses uh, who he is and Moses' story possible. Um, and these are the midwives who reverence the God of life, uh, the God of, of promise, the God of relationship, and they were joining him in creatively restoring, renewing, and recreating in the midst of evil and violence. So we often now think of like baby Moses in the basket. This is what baby Moses was born into. And these are the midwives that, that made this possible. This is what Exodus uh, 1, 15 to 18 says. The Hebrew midwives, whose names were, were Shifra and Pua, However, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said, why have, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives, however, feared God. Um, and this is what they said to Pharaoh. Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives even arrive. So we can't help it. 
So God was kind to these midwives and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. This is an often like overlooked passage, I think, and it made me realize that this was an example for us. These are like early, early uh, heroes in our story. Uh, Moses enters our story as one of these babies who is, who is set out to be murdered, but is saved. You see, he was born into a family um, that had pr- priests in their bloodline, important family. And after his mom hides him for three months, she's unable to keep him hidden, so she sends him downriver in the basket. This is the image we often think of. But this is the part that kind of recaptured me from this story. The mom sends the baby down in the basket, only to be found by Pharaoh's daughter, the princess. And the princess's heart, or the Pharaoh's daughter's heart, is moved by seeing this baby, and she decides to adopt him. But because she's a princess, she needs someone else to breastfeed uh, the baby and to work, do all the hard work of actually raising a baby. So she decides to call one of her servants and says, go find one of the Hebrew women who can breastfeed the baby. And who do they go and find but Moses' actual mother herself? And this is just another beautiful way that God was was guiding and working and blessing um, these women that were on the the edge of this oppression that were working with God and for God. Uh, So when I think of this, this is like my first takeaway uh, from this story that was kind of a, a surprising, very early origin story takeaway, that we need to be like those women, to say no to the violence and the injustice, uh, injustices of our day and age. And there's an invitation from this passage. Will we partner with the loving God of life on the most vulnerable edges of our friend groups, families, communities, societies, even globally? Will we relieve, restore, and even rebel against the evils that are being committed with the God of love today. We too can join God's mission like uh, Sifra and Pua. Anywhere there's someone who's vulnerable that you could do something about and step in, this is our call from God. This is our takeaway. So do you know someone who's maybe silently struggling with a mental health problem that you could come alongside? Do you, have you ever witnessed uh, an abusive relationship and maybe a friend group or a dating relationship or a marriage? Or have you ever seen bullying at school? Have you seen power dynamics or abuses of authority in your work, workplace? And are there those in your neighborhood who might be lonely or more vulnerable that could use some simple connection or some discreet help? Um, this is what I think uh, it could look like to be like, respond to God and respond to this story uh, in this way. Now, the most a modern example that really uh, came to me as I was reading as well was Sanctum House here in Saskatoon which is a sanctuary for women survivors of human trafficking, uh, where they work to reduce uh, the harm and the potential in the lives of these marginalized and oppressed women in our city. And they actually uh, keep them connected with their children in safe ways so that generations can heal. So please consider, um, this is, there's hard work of, of helping those who are oppressed and the most vulnerable on the edges of our, of our world and our communities, but there are good good organizations and places that are doing this. So like I said, Sanctum House, but also consider uh, donating to like residential schools, survivor society. And we, we will continue to do work at House for All Nations or, or partners like the Bridge on 20th. And we need to continue to, um, to be joining God in his mission in that way. So this is what Moses was born into. And then Moses is actually raised as a royal Egyptian 
although he was actually an Israelite. He doesn't grow up with his Hebrew family, but he grows up as a grandson to the Pharaoh. And he grew up in the palace, being educated and enjoying all of the wealth of Egypt, but with the knowledge that he was not an Egyptian, but rather he belonged to the slaves that he saw brutally working in the kingdom. Now this must have weighed heavy on him and his sense of identity uh, and what was right and what was wrong. And sure enough, one day, while he was witnessing a slave master beating a Hebrew slave, Moses, um, in outrage, stepped up and killed that slave master and buried him in the sand uh, secretly. So this is a, a pretty important turn in the story. Um, what happens is later that, maybe the next day or that week, this incident had blown over, but then Moses witnesses a he two Hebrew slaves, one beating the other, and they were in a fight. So he steps in to try to help them resolve this, and this is when rejection and shame uh, enters Moses' story in a new way. Uh, they turned to him, one of them turned to him and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? And his secret was out. And actually, his own grandfather, the Pharaoh, finds out and is out to kill him for what he did. Moses is rejected by his people. He's rejected by the home he grew up in. He's torn over those identities and in fear and shame uh, over murdering someone, he flees far away to the land of Midian, which is like all the way across uh, the desert. And you can see that there. So Moses runs away and sets up a whole other life in Midian. And he quickly finds uh, a wife and marries into a family. And th this family, the father is actually a pagan priest of the Midianites. And he starts this family, he takes the common role of a shepherd uh, where no one knows him, and he buries all of his problems, uh, again, to try to lead a normal life. But he's a carrying, he must be carrying a lot of this weight internally, which you can even see come out in the way he names his firstborn child. It says his wife gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. So you can, you can sense that in him. Now, this all sets up our last, uh, or our kind of conclusion in this story, this origin story, and that is the story of Moses and the burning bush. Now, by this time, Moses is 80 years old. Uh, it says he's been tending his sheep for like 40 years in Midian by now. And he's going along one day when he notices that there's a bush on fire. Now, I've learned that this wasn't uncommon in dry deserts uh, in the area, but the fire kept on burning. And this is where N Moses notices something in his everyday life, and he senses that it's, that it's God in this out-of-the-ordinary incident. And he chooses to be curious about it and to stop and look. And he realizes this is a God moment. And God chooses to seize this and chooses to call him by name, Moses, Moses. But rather than run away this time, uh, he, like he did to Midian or like he did in other instances, uh, Moses responds to God, here I am. God directs Moses to take off his shoes because he was standing on holy ground. And Moses is terrified, hides his face, afraid to look at God. But God speaks to him. Uh, he, he tells Moses who he is. He says, I am the God of Abraham, of your father, he says, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he reminds uh, he reminds Moses of his true identity and that God has a loving relationship with the Hebrew people that, that he is connected to and that's his true identity. 
God also shares his heart for the suffering and the affliction of the people. He tells him what he's really like. He's a God of freedom. He's a God who sees and works for those who are oppressed. And he was going to act. And he was calling Moses to join him in this freedom, this redemptive work. He also reveals uh, in their conversation that his name is I Am, which becomes a very important revelation of who God is. Um, And then we see that this is actually the starting point. We're not going to get into the whole story of the Exodus, but this is the groundwork uh, for the Exodus. And as one author put, God needed to do an Exodus, uh, an act of salvation and freedom in Moses' life, so so that Moses could be part of the Exodus that God was planning for his people. Now, I think there are a lot of good takeaways that we can take from this burning bush experience and this kind of origin story of Moses. Uh, One thing that we we should be doing is expecting God in our deserts and in our everyday lives. I think often we think of a God who only speaks in really wild, supernatural ways and we don't expect God to be in our deserts in our everyday lives. Um, But we shouldn't be hiding. We shouldn't settle for this normal life or a life that's not part of God's calling. And we need to take note when God is calling it. And then we can respond, here I am, having that posture at all times to the God of freedom and the God of the exodus that wants to do that work inside of us and wants us to be part of that work. There's a beautiful quote that says this, earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush a fire with God but only he who sees takes off his shoes and the rest go around plucking blackberries. Uh, This quote for me um, makes me realize that God can can show up anywhere, that we're invited to ask, to seek, to knock, to, to, to look for God in all of our lives. And God is a God of who wants to communicate to us. And all we have to do is say, here I am and, and look for him and respond in faith when we sense something from him. So I'd encourage us, that would be a takeaway, uh, that we could be like Moses and we could look for God and say, here I am in our everyday lives, maybe this summer in new ways. The other takeaway I can see from Moses' story is that all of us need to take off our sandals. Um, now this was obviously a step of, of humility before God, but also it was um, kind of a, a step of, of intimacy and connection with God. Um, The first step in really knowing this God of the Exodus, knowing the God of the ultimate Exodus, who is Jesus Christ, is humility and surrender. Being vulnerable with God and admitting your need for God. This was something that that perhaps Moses was running from and had been running from for a long time and had had buried certain things. Now, we all need to process our own origin story. There There are hurts. There are, there's shame, there's, there's harm done to us, there's harm that we've done in all of our stories. And this is what God actually needs us to do. He needs us to come in humility, come in vulnerability, come in powerlessness, uh, come with that guilt and that shame and all of the struggles of our identity. Uh, and we need to come before God, the holy God, the active and living God, so that we can be set free and we can join God's mission of, of setting people free. And as we've said multiple times here, you can just imagine the identity battle within Moses. He, he was an Egyptian to the Israelites, but he was an Israelite to the Egyptians. He felt like he couldn't fit in. Um, 
Having found family, love, and identity through the oppressive wealth of Pharaoh's court as he watched his people suffer it would have been a really hard thing to hold. Uh, he obviously had the guilt of the murder he had committed, but he was rejected by his own people and by the family he grew up in. And that, I really take note of that, that lie that was planted early on. Who made you ruler and judge over us? That's what the Israelites had said to him. And it becomes this insecurity and this, this haunting message in his life that God has to speak to in a personal way in the burning bush. And that Moses, through process of relationship with God, actually overcomes. And because Moses in his mind had already failed, he was a failure in the mission of God. And, but God was there to experience that vulnerability in a safe way and actually show Moses that he could, with him, overcome that and, and walk forward into a future of freedom with this God together. So my final takeaway for us today would obviously be we need to, to kind of go through that process that Moses went through with God, taking off our sandals. But then where, where the story goes is this is the starting place. This place of humility and, and freedom as we work in relationship with God empowers us to be part of Jesus's ongoing mission of freedom for all. You see, the mission of Moses, the mission of God, even from before Moses' story and before the Exodus and all the way back to Genesis, was always the ongoing mission of God in Jesus Christ to heal, renew, restore all things. And this mission is going on today, and actually we are being invited into it. And it needs to happen internally. We need to be uh, set free through Jesus. And then we need to join Jesus in that mission in all of its various ways in our world today. Um, so we need to get into conversation with God in the same way that Moses did. We need to allow God to experience us and for us to experience who God truly is. Because many of us have, have missed who God truly is, this God of freedom. Um, this God that can't be controlled or boxed in by us. It's not a, a God we've made a, a religion of, but it's the God who is the God always working actively uh, for freedom. Um, and for eternal life and flourishing on this earth. This is the God we know, have come to know and love in Jesus. Uh, and the, the beauty is, uh, this, this is the fulfillment. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the exodus, of all of Moses' story, of your story, of my story, of that promise to Abraham, of the blessing of eternal life on earth. Um, so, so today, now we live in between these times. Uh, we know the ending of the story through Jesus but we are, we are living before it. And God is looking at each of us today and he wants to call us by name like he did to Moses. He wants to hear from us, here I am. He wants to come to our places of vulnerability. He wants to know and process our own origin stories. And I'm praying for us this summer that we can take, these, we can take some of these key takeaways from Moses' origin story so that we can experience that same God through Jesus Christ. And so my, my prayer for you is that you could uh, experience this God of freedom yourself, but then you could also join this God of freedom in Jesus' ongoing mission of blessing, restoring, renewing all things on earth as they are in heaven. Uh, let me pray for, towards that, and thank you so much for joining us in this summer classic. God, we, uh, we look to you as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, the great I Am, Lord, you are free in, in who you are. You are living and active and you come to us. And Lord, we're open for that. We say, here I am this summer. 
Uh, we take off our sandals before you in the service, but also just in our everyday lives. And I pray that you would bring freedom from whatever it is that kind of oppresses us from within. And Lord, I pray that you would show us how we can be part of your mission of freedom in this world. And we pray for the ministries like Sanctum House, House for All Nation, Bridge on 20th. And we, we ask for those who are most oppressed in our societies, in our, in our world, the people we know in our relationships. We, we pray that you would be the God of Exodus, you would be the God of freedom, that Jesus Christ, because of your death and resurrection, we can, we can participate in who you are and what you have planned for our world. So we commit all of this to you today and uh, we love you. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We also have the, the privilege today of celebrating the Lord's Supper, uh, taking communion together. And one of the key meanings uh, of communion and the Lord's Supper is that it was actually originally the celebration of the Passover. And its meaning is connected because when we think of Moses leading the Israelites out of slavery, uh, this becomes how Jesus speaks of, of the freedom work that he's doing, that he's going to, uh, yes, lead Israel out of slavery, uh, but actually lead anyone who comes to him uh, through the forgiveness of sins and the renewal of life um, to kind of that, that new freedom, that freedom we talked about that Moses experienced and that the people of Israel experienced. It's fully expressed and its full meaning comes to life um, through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. So as we, as we take the elements today, uh, let's, let's come to God. Let's take off our, our sandals. Let's come to God with all of our vulnerabilities and look to him as our, as our source of, of forgiveness, of renewal, of, of the God of freedom who wants to bring freedom to the, the darkest places uh, that we have been and of, of how we feel and who we are. So uh, this, let's, let's celebrate together as we read from uh, Luke 22 and let's take the elements together. So Luke 22, 13 to 23 says, So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. He said to them, I have eagerly, eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take together. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who's going to portray me is with me on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. And this is where they begin to question themselves of which one of them uh, it might be who would do this. Let's partake of the cup together as well. Lord, we thank you so much that we can share in this celebration of Passover, the celebration of the cross and resurrection, we can look to you, the God of freedom. We come to you with, with everything we are and we, we invite your freedom in our lives and we ask that we could be part of your mission of freedom this week and forever. Amen. God bless.
Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you, and thanks for listening. Thank you.